Hi, my name is Christina, and I'm the host of the WTF Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the movers and the shakers of the world who live lives that make others stop and ask, what the fuck? But here, WTF means walking towards fear, straight into the heart of discomfort in order to live an exceptional life. All right, today's guest is one that we tried to have on earlier, and we had some audio issues. <laughs> so coming to you for a second time today is someone that I met on day two, and I will let you introduce yourself because you do have a few different trail names. I sure do. So, um, yeah, so my name's uh, James in normal life, uh, but my, my first trail name was Daddy Longtoes, and I got that in the desert because uh, a hiker that I was hiking with uh, spotted that uh, when I had my camp shoes on the uh, I suppose the significant size of my toes particularly my second toe um, and again when I'm wearing in gingies they look like they're having like a really rough time with it you know they're really <laughs> pulling them back to the individual toes um, but as as time went on uh, it became just such a mouthful you know daddy long toes and like no one wanted to call me daddy which is absolutely fair <laughs> enough that's the right response to have uh, I got shortened to DLT and then that got like changed to like TLC or BLT and, uh, you know, he never really stuck. So somewhere in the Sierras, it got changed to Jumbo, uh, which is just, there's not a huge story behind it, but it's just nice. It sticks. It, it works with Jumbo toes and it's just, uh, you know, I have a Jumbo appetite for food. I'm, I'm Jumbo. <laughs> and it's been interesting too. I know in our first conversation, you were saying you could actually tell where you met people based on oh, what yeah. name they called you. It was one of actually my favorite things. And I, I can't necessarily like recommend it to people, but it was such a nice thing where you, you find you have like bubbles of people that you meet in the desert or uh, at certain times. And then when you got to trail days, all of these different circles and timelines and paces came together. And it's, it could tell whether how people talk to me, whether they, I met them early on, I hadn't seen them in ages. And again, I look completely different as well. I dyed my hair at that point. I had a huge beard, well, huge for me beard. and um, But they still remember my name and the accent. And then that's what pulled them through. So I could distinguish, I met you in the desert, I met you in the mountains, and I met you in, you know, NorCal. <laughs> that's so fun. Um, yeah, I was actually just talking to someone the other day that I met out and about, about trail names and like, because they were asking me like was it weird for you to get used to being called knuckles like to respond to that uh yeah. and I kind of walked them through like the process of what that does look like so I'm curious for you like was it a transition either to be called that or to stop being called that after the drill it's it's really tough because um I feel like getting it initially it was a novelty and it was so fun and uh, everyone in my immediate family was calling me daddy with a posh english accent which was really good it was really funny we had it really like uh propagated the family dynamic as well like i was not the natural leader no way that's not who i am but everyone was saying daddy daddy what do i do so that was great fun but in terms of actually responding to that it was minimal it was you know i bet we uh, you know my close family was still realistically call me james because it was a mouthful or whatever uh, Jumbo was a bit easier. Uh, people still like uh, were using it, but I don't think, in terms of heard of other people like really embracing their trail names, it really becomes part of their identity. It's more just a story for me at this point. Like if someone turned around and said Jumbo, I would still turn around. But going back to James and like you know my immediate family was still like calling me James from time to time. You know, who, who, not even a real through hiker at this point. <laughs> I know you're getting kicked off, kicked out. Yeah, it's done. It's done. <laughs> It's interesting because I, I remember meeting you obviously as James because it was day two and you hadn't had your trail name yet. 
And there are certain people along the trail that like I kept calling by their real names, like in conversation. And you were one of those people, Um, even though I I knew both of your trail names, but it was the same for actually Rob, who you hiked with. Yeah, Um, exactly. Yeah, I'm the same. (laughs) So I don't know why, like for some people, like their names just stick. But in then it's really weird. My big one was if someone introduced themselves to me via the trail name, like there is no alternative, even post-trail, I'll still call them that name. Like, for example, Passport and had hers from the previous trail. Uh, I cannot call Passport anything else other than Passport. And that's fine. You know, but yes. walking, spending so much time with Rob as Rob. And we were like, again, workshopping a few trail names. I think he, he went through more than anyone I knew uh, initially. <laughs> Pinecone and glasses and all this kind of stuff. Um, he was always just Rob. If I needed to get his attention, it was Rob. But maybe if we're in like a crowd of hikers and it's less pressing, then I'd go for one of his many like decorated trail names. <laughs> yeah, it is just... I don't know, the name aspect of it, I think is interesting because some people are so attached to their names. Other people are not really at all. And there are other people that I don't think took on any trail names. Like, you know, that's also not like a possibility. So, yeah. Yeah. I think my favorite thing though, particularly um, about your one was how like you effectively got ordained your process. Like that's so significant (laughs) and it's so good, right? Like talk about a way to get everyone's attention with the transition from, you know, from country life to through hiking life is the ceremony that, that's brilliant <laughs> I was telling someone I think that story on while we were recording a podcast it was Stacy I'm not sure if you met her who yeah, became yeah. sleepless mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and I was telling her I was like yeah snake charmer performed my my name change ceremony and she looked at me and she goes what's that <laughs> I was like it didn't exist until we made it up it was so much fun <laughs> Yeah, it looked. I feel like that should be a tradition that's carried on because it is a big thing when you're like, right, I'm going to throw away this identity. I feel like I've got my new identity and walking through with it. And I feel like everyone needs to know about it and have a bit of a party. So, yeah, it looked great. It really was. I just remember um, it was right before the road walk for the endangered frogs that we had to go around. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was yeah. at that campground there. And he was just yeah. like, okay, down on one knee. It's <laughs> He like takes a dragging bowl and basically yeah. knighted me. Knighted you, and he's a stately English gentleman. You know, he's got the accent for it. He's got the appearance for it. I mean, I want to be knighted by Snake Charmer. <laughs> I feel like my training is not official yet because he hasn't done me yet. That's true. I feel like he could have a side gig. Like people yeah. would probably pay him for a knighting. Yeah, just, just turns up to like people's trail days and permit days, turns up to the Southern Terminus and just starts, you know, tapping people with his trekking pole. <laughs> exactly. Um, actually, on a little bit of a side note there, do you know, so you are based in the UK and so is Nate Charmer. I know he's yep. got off the trail, but how far are you from each other? Uh, I think we're about, uh, maybe four hours away. I truthfully, I don't really know how far he is, but in like English terms, it's a decent distance. In American terms, I could be there. Like, you know, it's, it's like <laughs> a, the tiniest little trip I could do to see a friend, I suppose. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Because yeah. I will definitely plan when I come out to uh, to Europe to see you both, for sure. 100%. I will hold you to that. <laughs> yes. Already got roots in my head that we're going to do. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So now that you are off the trail, mm-hmm. I know that you, I believe you have a job lined up that you're getting ready to start. That's true. It's happening. Reality is fast approaching. How are you feeling about it? Um, genuinely excited it's um I made the conscious change to do something different I think I could have 
gone back into my old job and my old life uh, and I was originally intending to I even told my old job I'm gonna come back and I want this to work because I wanted that security of after doing one of the most expensive things of my life uh, to have a bit of income coming in as soon as I'm back but uh, some way down the trail I realized every story and anecdote I told about my job was like caveated by no, it's not really for me no, I don't really like it it's not what I want to do kind of thing uh, I, I loved it initially but it kind of changed as time went on so um, moving into something new, uh, particularly like the, I've been so lucky with the offers that I've received. Um, I'm genuinely, genuinely been blown away by what's out there at the minute and people's willingness to to take on, uh, you know, an X3 biker, basically. Um, so uh, it's it's exciting, but obviously it's very nervous because this will be the first time I've changed jobs since university and also be the first I've worked in basically eight months now. <laughs> I'll feel rusty. Okay, that's really interesting. I don't think I realized that. I knew that we had conversations on the trail where you were debating going back to the same role versus, you know, going elsewhere. So how did you navigate some of those conversations, if at all, like with your previous company yeah. saying, essentially, I've changed my mind? Yeah, so it was it was pretty, um, I suppose, unique. And again, in some ways, I was lucky that I was with a really small company. So it's about 20 people big and it's like project based, which so fluctuate in terms of how healthy it is and unhealthy it is. And one of the reasons I left was uh, because it was getting pretty unhealthy in terms of work coming through. So they were like, we definitely want you back. We'll always have you back. But then when I came back, I didn't actually fundamentally address them and say, like, look, I'm not going to come back. I just kind of waited to see if they would reach out to me because my boss would follow all my Instagram stuff. Um, And they never reached out, luckily, so I didn't have to have that conversation. And it turns out that they went uh, into administration about four weeks after I came back. So unfortunately, that wouldn't have been an option anyway. (laughs) So it was, I mean, it sucks for that company in the process and people there because they were were lovely people. But um, that was, I I don't think they were hunting to get uh, me back anytime soon. I think they knew that what was coming. (laughs) A blessing in disguise. A little bit, yeah. (laughs) How much of you think the career change was... I don't want to say because of, but that decision being impacted by just having so much time on the trail to think. Um, I would almost say the, the time to think thing wasn't necessarily a big part of it because I feel like I spent a lot of time in my head already. Uh, you know, I overthink things uh, uh, as it is, but seeing everyone else on the trail, um, I like their passion that they're bringing to the table, either with their job or their lives. Um, that was huge. That was absolutely huge. And it was it was me when I started my job and my first three years of my job. I was really proud of what I was doing. And um, I think for me, at least, is you get realised that maybe you get into a little bit of a, a not a rut. I think that's unfair, but you, you get used to it. You get comfortable, and then you see everyone else, and they're like enthusiastic and they're like genuinely proud, and it sounds amazing what they're doing. Uh, that was the big one for me. It's like, why would I want to be going back to that consciously? Maybe staying on passively or uh, in, in that kind of way is one thing, but actively choosing to leave and then come back, uh, that was something that was getting less and less appealing as the months went on. So I've had different conversations with different people coming off the trail, specifically about you know transitioning back into careers. And yeah. there are some people who basically say, you know, it's scarier for me to think about going into the same job, right? That monotony, that routine, Mm -hmm. like what I already know coming out of this experience that was so unique and so different. Mm -hmm. And then I also know people that on the flip side are like, but it's also so scary to 
go change everything, right? Yeah. So like there's just kind of yeah. discomfort everywhere you look. And I know there's a lot of discomfort in general kind of coming off the trail. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I think a big thing for me is like part of the trail is getting exposed to that level of discomfort. So I had a, I've had a very, very lucky and normal life, I describe it. You know, I went through education and I got my first job and that's kind of what I did. I'd never really done anything crazy outside of that box so then going on this hike and realizing that pushing yourself and taking these risks is absolutely fine it's arguably the best thing you could ever do the best thing that you can do is bring that back with you and say well how else can I apply that and say like I took a huge risk there and I would never ever have thought the old person old me would have done that but now I've done this I've got to try it with everything else you know I've taken a bit of a risk with this job that I'm going to now it's arguably not what I would have chosen before uh before who I wasn't going through the trail but these the opportunities that it provides for like that variation it's scary and it's terrifying but I I walk the length of America so why can't I do this too you know (laughs) yeah it's like a, a newfound confidence like you said if I can do that like what else is possible for me I think that's it I think that's it which is such a cool perspective to have after coming out. Um, you know, I know, again, most people share the apprehension leading up to the trail of mm-hmm. you've read all the books, you've watched the videos, you've kind of done yeah. some some prep. And I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you did a good bit of planning for the PCT, right? Yeah, it was it was partly to settle the nerves, but also partly for fun as well. I, I over-planned uh, gear and equipment and the the trail itself just to get keep me excited and remind myself that yeah this is happening but I, I spent a lot of time thinking about the trail I'm planning it <laughs> I decided probably like six months before like I'm making it happen this year so I had about a six month window when you say you spent a good amount of time you, how much time is that it was it was about three years yeah <laughs> that <is awesome. laughs> yeah well, I think it's great. It can be both ways around, right? Like, I mean, from your side, just deciding something as big as that six months beforehand, how did you find it? Like just saying, right, I'm going to, I'm going to go do this thing. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've known about the PCT for a long time mm-hmm. and I've always said to myself, I wanted to do it, but mm-hmm. it felt really far away. Like it didn't really feel possible for me. Like yeah. I was in this steady career. I had some coaching happening on the side, just geographically, like I was in a spot that I enjoyed and, you know, I kind of turned my life upside down. I ended a long-term relationship and all of a sudden was looking at my whole life. Like, what am I doing next? Like, those were all big choices. So like, might as well just go for it and like make this thing happen. Cause if I don't do it now, I'm not, I don't want to say that I would never do it in the future, but it just felt like one of those knowings, like this is the time you have to go do it. Like yeah. just what's the reason to not more. do it right now yeah. yeah but besides just putting it off and not not doing it because you know that's your decision what reason not to exactly yeah so I watched videos I had an idea of kind of what was coming at me but there were definitely still kind of surprises at every twist and turn part of those yeah. were mother nature because you know she's very unpredictable <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean our third night together with the storm uh, on the sand that was a, probably a baptism of fire for both of us right like that was hell but it's great fun fondly remember that time <laughs> it really was I remember actually that evening so we recorded a podcast I think the next day to talk about like you know we had this crazy storm that came through it was a ridiculous windstorm everybody's tents were you know struggling to say the least yeah. and 
that night when you were getting set up, you said that you had like dug holes to put your stakes in and you yeah. got like through two of them before you realized that you have an actual utensil, like a trowel for digging. Like your hands were covered in sand. <laughs> I, mean, I was stuffing with my hands. I was like, what's the phrase us animals is using tools and I'm just dancing on the line here. I'm just, you know, like, yeah. I literally have a tool. I'm like, no, that's for, that's for a different kind of hole. Like I, I simply couldn't use it in any other way. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. And Petra was with so, us that night. Yeah, I, I vividly remember it was, we were standing on top of a ridge and it was a beautiful view because uh, we had the view of the valley, um, had like these nice bushes around and you guys were nestled in like the various holes in the in the, in these bushes and it was just like a duplex here, like triplex there. And then as the sun sets, we just see this cloud rolling in. I think we've got maybe like two hours before this hits and then like five minutes later, it's half the distance even closer oh right, i'm gonna go back in now because it's happening now <laughs> you know it was it just rushed on in which was such a bummer because coming out of mount laguna like you come up that climb and you get your first like sweeping view of the desert and i remember that's the first time i was surprised how beautiful the desert was i was like yeah. oh my gosh that's stunning and it's trying to kill us so like we all gotta <laughs> we gotta go yeah getting to that that edge and the wind simply coming off that was the first time i learned that like again wind could be genuinely dangerous like at least here in the UK, yeah, you got you get weather warnings and stuff. But it's like, oh, you know, a, a, a bin might fall over or something like that. But this is like, no, hold on, because every item of your clothing is going to get ripped off from your body and go back over the cliff. <laughs> and I feel like it was kind of just the beginning of some of the wind. There was a lot of wind in California between the wind sure. farms, different little just wind storms. And for me, like yeah. the most frustrating part was like when it's windy all day, I personally feel like I could not even hear myself thinking. It was just loud. Yeah, it was, it was, you don't relax from it. It's like the opposite of nice ambient noise, like a river running or anything like that. And like, I always found that at certain angles of where I'd turn, my backpack straps would like vibrate and go like, I can see like a right, a gentle right hand turn coming up. I'm like, this is going to annoy me for the next half an hour because it just rattles in such a way. But this is part of the trail right yeah my backpack straps actually when I started the trail were really long like even my load lifters like up above my shoulders yeah. were so long that like when the wind would hit them they'd be like slapping me in the face yeah like yeah I ended up cutting them at one point because I was like I'm never gonna need these longer than that so I like mm -hmm. did some pack surgery I cut them and I taped them so they wouldn't like you know slide back through the buckles but mm -hmm. that was uh not expecting that gear no. change so quickly with the wind it's a nice little lesson isn't it because I, I did the same thing too i was like I, just in case you know i might grow three feet over the weekend I'm like, <laughs> on the trip length or something but no it's, it, you're right <laughs> i know it's so true um was there anything else that kind of surprised you about the trail i mean i know you did a lot of prep but yeah um i think the biggest one for me was um whenever i've been hiking outside of PCT uh, I, like I've always hiked kind of my whole life uh they kind of really ramped up over those three years as I got more excited into it more interested in it. it it's always been a really personal activity it's been how I decompress or how I like again overthink things or um try to do a little bit of planning in my head so it's, it's always been a very individual and personal activity not necessarily like by active choice but that's just how it's happened and I assume that that would carry on um, on the PCT. And again, I watched all all the videos and you see people like Darwin. He pretty much like trucks on the whole time by himself and he looks like he's having a whale of a time. I'm like, that's that's going to be me. I'm going to be just maybe 
camping with certain people once a week and then uh, spend the rest of the time by myself but pretty much immediately you're just presented with some of the best humans in the world and they're all just either as excited or as nervous as you and um we ended up yeah obviously I formed a basically a, a kind of close-knit group pretty much immediately and there were some changes pretty pretty consistently throughout the whole trail but there was never one day where I walked by myself it was just such a social activity and it never ever got exhausting so I think the trail surprised me but also I surprised myself a little bit because I'm very much more a okay I've had enough now I need to have a break and go into a dark room and decompress but that, that just never really happens to me you know so it was it was it was amazing okay a couple of questions on that so similarly I tend to like need time by myself to rest recover you know you name it recharge and I didn't feel that nearly as much out on trail uh, I did have one two nights in Portland when we first got bumped off the trail by the McKinney fire we hopped up to Ashland and made the decision we're going to go up to Washington so we landed in Portland for two nights and I kind of told everybody it probably was the addition of the stress from the fires and everything we just you know tried to navigate but those were the only two nights on the trail that I spent by myself um and that was in a hotel room like it barely even counts yeah exactly it's just you're probably just sleeping the whole time or like you know getting clean or something like that so it was just doing the things that it wasn't even actual genuine downtime I bet Exactly. So what do you think was different uh, for you on the trail where like you didn't feel like you needed that kind of alone time? Um, I don't know. I think it's really interesting because I think for a start, I think what we talked about this before, I think the thing is it felt so genuinely effortless. Um, I think sometimes whenever I've gone out and it can be with people that I absolutely adore or people I've seen a thousand times, there's maybe still a little bit of like, social exertion you know like you you want to be making an effort having conversations and having a good laugh kind of thing and that can be uh you know it just it just be a bit a little bit tiring but because you've got maybe i was probably doing that for the first like week of the trail like really putting in an effort and then you realize you're just not going to get a break and you just breaks down your defenses and you're like oh that's actually fine for me to completely relax around these people too you know sometimes i can just go on my phone or be semi-antisocial uh but then come back in and then after I had kind of broken that barrier down I realized that uh you can it it was not taxing at all and it was just effortless and I think the the people are down to that the people that you're you're with it's so easy to form connections out on trail at least that's what I found Uh, people are so willing to be friends with everyone um but also it's the the trail itself you know all you're doing is walking all you're doing is effectively thinking to yourself listening to music or talking that's what I found anyway so having having those one of those three options available to you at all times meant yeah more often than not at least with me I can have a walk around camp and see who's with you to have a little bit of a a nose and a gossip you know (laughs) yeah I like that perspective kind of like the ease of the relationships and I don't think that's to say that my relationships are home are like infinitely more stressful but at the same time there is something I think probably also more relaxed about my own being when I'm out there that helps that's it right like it's People have seen you literally dig out holes with your hands. <laughs> seen you in your laps. <laughs> and then the, and then they're like, okay, I have got this guy's number. You know, even if he was putting up some kind of like best version of himself, that's broken down. This guy's an idiot, but we accept him. And that's that's what I love about it. So you so quickly see people at their absolute best and their absolutely worst. You feel like I've only spoken to this person four times, but 
I feel like I know them so well at this point. You know, you've seen, seen the real version of them. And um, yeah, there's something beautiful about that. Oh, definitely. And when you were saying to it, how easy it is to connect with people out there, it's one of the things that I've missed a lot about the trail. I, yeah. I can't speak for the UK. I will ask your perspective, but here in the States, like, you know, you go out for a run or you're just going for a walk and you pass someone and it's like, they have their headphones in, which is the universal signal of, please do not speak to me. And then they basically have their blinders on where like, they will not look at you. And if you do, like, they hope that you don't look back because then like eye contact would be made. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's, 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 arguably the exact same or if you get in a conversation it is just about how the weather's doing and it's the no one cares about how the weather's doing but it's just because people notice there's some kind of like i've got to fill this void with this person you know notice how great it is today it's the 17th day it's been great in a row like yeah crazy right and if you actually have another conversation outside of that they'll look at you like what the hell are you doing <laughs> if you actually ask them genuinely how's their day going rather than you know you're winning kind of thing it's like it's uh yeah it's, it's so much harder to meet new people i would say in uh front country real life kind of scenarios it's it's is simply effortless in in trail communities and, and too i think it's easy to know that everybody on the trail in essence is looking for some bit of connection like i think i ran into very few hikers that wanted you know nothing to do with other hikers and they were just on their own path doing their own thing Whereas mm-hmm. I think in, you know, front country, like you were saying, it's kind of easy to make an assumption that everybody already has their people and has their groups. We have no idea That's if the so. people who are passing on the street are open to new connections or not. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm still trying mm-hmm. to be like, hi, how's it going? And they're like, um, good. How are yeah. you? Yeah. What do you want out of this? Like, are you selling me something? You know, that's right. the kind of the usual thing. So I, I feel like the only, I think it's a... Uh, if you're going to an event that has a really like strong purpose especially a niche purpose because let's be honest walking the length of america is not for everyone and that's that's cool but it attracts a certain type of person and just having something that holds a whole community together either the people surrounding that community like the trail angels know what you're doing or the people in the community know exactly what you're doing um, and I feel like the, the opportunities for that in real life are things like going to small gigs and like people know exactly what this band is they know what's coming on so you've got something that not everyone else has there or I'm trying to get into rock climbing it's not going great but again it's quite <laughs> a skill of like classic post-hiker activity and it's I think if you've got something there that you've got a common thread and just by being there there's already a filter to say you're going to be a pretty good person we're going to have something in common that's 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 pretty big to me I suppose that's actually I hadn't thought of it in that light but I think really helpful it's like a that niche community because I actually similarly I I enjoy rock climbing and I found that climbing gym is one of the only other places I've experienced that type of like you know people will just chat half the fun of rock climbing is when you're not actually climbing right you're sitting on the ground talking to other hiker not other hikers other climbers (laughs) yeah 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 I've spoken to um, other people who do climb here and they say that's like the best thing about it. And I'm going to be honest, I've only been like three times now. Uh, one was by myself and one was with uh, my friends and we've gone like on the morning session. So it's not busy, but no one can see my little like forearms shaking. <laughs> when I'm doing my climb. But I think whenever I end up moving, that is how I plan to form my community. Or at least one of the routes to form my community is walking around and chatting to people because everyone who has done it says yeah you can just everyone's in the same boat again everyone's got an objective and everyone's uh happy to chat because you're there too 
Yeah, it's very, very friendly. Uh, I think it's a great place to meet people and chat people. And, you know, I'm in the process of still nailing down a job and wherever I do land, probably one of the first things I'll do is join the climbing gym there because I just know it's a spot I can just go and talk to people yeah. and likely they'll talk back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's at least one barrier down. Like, oh, you're into this? Me too. We've got something there, you know? <laughs> exactly. And then I know I said I had two questions from what you had shared before. My other question is, I know you said that you didn't spend any nights by yourself and that you were with a group for the majority of it. And part of that was, you know, the ease of relationships, all that stuff. But how often did you like physically hike with someone? Like you were hiking with them, chatting with them while you were moving versus, you know, for my family, a lot of times it was kind of hike your own hike, but we have different meetup spots. So I'm curious yeah. for you kind of what that looked like. Um, it was, it was a genuine blend. I'd say, um, I'd say for the first two weeks of the desert, I never hiked by myself. Um, it was it was so social. Everyone just wanted to know everything about people and what they knew about the trail and what their setups were. And as you kind of bed into a routine, because you know, very quickly it feels like this is my life now, this is this is my new normal. Um, you can kind of say, Oh, I'm gonna rush on ahead today, I'm gonna oh, I wanna put some music in, and I wanna listen to it and, and go for it. Um, and quite a lot of the time it was, it was down to like my own pace that dictated that so in the desert I was at least from my perspective quicker pills I really loved up hills I wish could just press on give it my everything get to the top get that feeling of like adrenaline and that, that kind of satisfied look and then everyone else would come up afterwards the converse of that is in like Oregon and Washington my like physical <laughs> capabilities plummeted down oh. and everyone would leave me behind and then I would catch up at the end because uh, I, I, I had issues all, all manner of issues that were slowing me down so there was never any obligation to walk together sometimes you just feel like you want to you just haven't realized you haven't actually caught up with people in a while even though you spent every day together uh, and then sometimes you just want to think I could do with just crushing miles today this is this is a, a work day effectively so it, it was a perfect blend between the two and I was in, in control of how much I wanted to hike with people and how much I wanted to spend by myself yeah I think a blend is probably most people's answers but I figured out ask yeah. anyway um, yeah, sure. and then, yeah talk to me about your body like how did your physical body hold up you just alluded to some some challenges there towards the end of the trail yeah so um it's funny because I did a lot of research and from what I heard is that the um, desert's easy, the Sierras kick your ass, but then you come out of that basically like with Greek God level muscles. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yes, okay. I'm just going to like absolutely blitz 35s every day in NorCal and then I'm going to blitz Oregon and I'm going to finish in Washington with plenty of time. What actually happened was, um, yeah, desert was nice. I've never described it as easy. None of it was easy, but it was what I was expecting. Sierras were like awe-inspiring, no physical issues at all. And then I literally leave the Sierras. I come out from um, Canadian Meadows North because um, we left uh, town together that day. And then that day, I kind of think I went too quick out of the gate. And that's when I first felt uh, shin splints in my one leg. The next day, I got them in my other leg and it was pretty darn excruciating. It was um, it was like the, the mobility of both of my feet were completely compromised for at least two weeks um so another hiker called captain something able was able to like tape my legs up properly with kt tape and kind of uh, looked after me initially which was an absolute lifesaver because i probably wouldn't be able to walk without those 
And then as that cleared up two weeks later, I got like a really stinking cold, potentially COVID. Um, I mean, I, I did test and it was negative, but you know, you can never be a hundred percent. So that was an issue. And then by the end of it, um, general aches and pains, and I, I wasn't changing my shoes frequently enough. So my Achilles started to re deteriorating. Ultimately in Washington, uh, my uh, kind of prolonged, long lived uh, condition of arthritis that I've had uh, since I was in my teens, reared its ugly head right towards the end. And that's what was really um, quite, it's quite debilitating towards the end of it because every morning, like it would just be so sensitive in my toes and my ankle and it was locked on. Uh, and I was taking, you know, huge amounts of vitamin I and naproxen that was like just about taking the edge off. So um, it was, I, I could say truthfully, if the trail was probably about 200 miles longer, I probably would have quit at the end because it was just such physical discomfort by the end of it. Yeah. And I mean, the hiking does teach you a lot about discomfort, right? I think there's something to be said there, but when your physical body is essentially revolting, yeah, yeah. that's hard. Yeah. Like, did you consider quitting even knowing like, you know, it wasn't 200 miles longer? I don't think I ever considered quitting. It was ne I never ever either thought about it or like figured an exit route. I don't think it was an option. I mean, like my, one of my biggest fears actually I rolled my ankle in uh, Acton, uh, you know, um, but just before the KOA, and it was so bad, I thought they had actually fractured it because it had just wasn't healing, and in certain spots, it was um, it was very very tender to kind of touch. Um, but I got um, Blaze Physio to look at it, and she, kept, you know, very like thankfully said it was absolutely fine. It's just a strain. Get on with it, kind of thing, which was uh, brilliant news. But that was the closest I thought I was going to come to coming off because if she said it's a fracture, I I knew that was my time was limited, and that was just before the Sierras too. So it was going to if it was even if I was just about making it, I wouldn't have made it the whole length of the trail. But other than that, I I just knew that I was going to try and push all the way through to the end, even if I was going to have to crawl by the end of it. Yeah, I think there's something cool about that determination of like, yeah, my body was breaking down, but I was out there, I was doing what I enjoyed, and still found ways to make yeah. it enjoyable, even in you know miss the chaos yeah it's it's the big part of the aspect for me was um the, the challenge aspect of the trail like some people are saying oh you know you've got to remember to have fun with this and slow down sometimes and enjoy it which is completely valid but also I really wanted to push myself out there to see what I could do this is probably one of the only times I'm going to do something to this magnitude and I've planned it for three years I'm not going to turn around and just leave if it gets hard because I knew it was going to get hard maybe not in the way I expected it but it's always going to be tough in some way it's going to be some discomfort in some ways so um yeah it was I, I don't think it was really uh an option to just to try and push myself as hard as I could was always my priority so knowing that you did push yourself a good bit and I've talked to I mean this is a very debated camp in the world of through hiking right like taking your time going on all these different side quests and explorations versus you know to the trail foot by like step by step from Mexico to Canada, like two different camps there. Um, if you were to do another long distance trail or if you could do the PCT over again, is there anything that you would do differently? Um, I think it's funny because I was so research heavy, but the one thing I didn't do is ever anticipate my pace um, because I thought I'm gonna be averaging something about like 20 miles a day. 
Um, but truthfully, I never thought I was going to get out of the, the desert. That was what my anticipation was before the trail, whether I admitted it to anyone or not. I never saw myself doing over 700 miles in California, carrying my own food and water. So I didn't really plan in detail too much further north because I didn't want to almost get excited for it, only for it to not happen. Uh, the kind of kicker to that was when we got to about the uh, middle of the trail, I was getting... Um, I was trying to meet a specific date to come back on. I booked flights and I wanted to surprise my dad on his 60th birthday too. So uh, I was kind of constantly wittering on about, oh, can we do a few more miles today? Because I want to try and hit this average or can we try and hit this average today? And realistically, I mean, we were helped hugely at times by the fire skipping, which is happening, but also we wanted to hit trail days at, at the time. So I spent a lot of time in my own head worrying about whether I'd make it in time. And if I just simply done the research to say, okay, I want to get out of the desert by this point. I want to get out of the Sierras by this point, And I want to get to Oregon by this point. Even just having that loose plan would have been nice as opposed to, I just got into Oregon. I didn't know if I was really fast or really slow. And because everyone was like, obviously yourself, you, you flicked up and some people went out to the coast. Some people did other things. I'm like, I have no idea what's normal anymore. Everyone's doing their own things. I think I'm really late. I have no idea. Um, yeah, that's, that's my biggest, um, thing that I would change it's not a regret but it's something I think I could plan for better so just kind of having you know maybe not a day-to-day mileage but big kind of milestone dates as yeah. you were going just to know whether you're on track or not like basically we were on track but I felt like I was behind and I didn't really te- technically influence the hike besides annoying passport and Rob because I'd always say can we do a few more miles but I could have not been really worrying about those miles because it all worked out in the end yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, I, I didn't have any of those kind of milestones either. And Topo did. Topo had mm-hmm. you know, a spreadsheet of all yeah. sorts of stuff. And his mom actually followed us and had like a spreadsheet of our like actual paces and like projected future timelines and dates yeah. and all sorts of stuff. Um, and yeah, I think, I don't know if I would do the planning, but to your point, I agree. I would probably try to worry less about pace. Yeah. Like, because right. when you're always kind of calculating in your head, it's, I don't know, there's like a low level mental fatigue that comes with it. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes a bit more like you're not, you're less walking to enjoy it and you happen to have done a 20. You know, you need to hit 20 to do it. So you're constantly thinking in your head, I need to do this. I need to do this, which is, which is a small difference, but it's, it's, it's a difference. Yeah. I mean, I got, I feel like the desert, I didn't think a lot about mileage. I'm, <laughs> one of those people that like if I take like a an hour long break I'm like good to go like I can just keep going yeah. so my yeah. family hated me because I would sit down for like you know a, a late snack or like an early dinner and be like okay let's keep going because I felt yeah. great after an hour and they're like yeah no we're not doing that <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it I think that's an interesting point like how did you find if you were ready and raring to go with the tramley and let's say this one particular person's not or the group's not how did you deal with that personally did you go like oh i'm gonna treat this exclusively like my hike and this is what i'm gonna do but or was your hike that you're walking with these people and you're like i want to spend time with them you know what i mean yeah definitely and i i think that's like the number one kind of thing to navigate when you are hiking a group of people right um and I would say it differed as I went. So power plant and I started and we were sharing a shelter. We had, you know, the Taj Mahal, the triplex. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, um, <laughs> so 
and as we kept going, I realized that by the end of the day, I still had a good bit of, you know, gas in the tank and I wanted to be pushing myself a little bit more. And I think part of that experience for me was, you know, a number of years ago, I had back surgery and I didn't know if I'd ever be able to have a healthy enough body to go out on the PCT, never mind to be feeling good and wanting to push myself to kind of like find limits in, in the healthy way, not in the, like, let me beat myself down. So as I started noticing that, I just started paying attention to it. And as I kept kind of getting more and more prevalent for me, I had a conversation with him and said, Hey, I think, you know, I, I want to push a little bit more. And one of the, the things that solidified that change for me was, I don't know the date, but it was the day we hit mile 1000 and we had a, so it was in Yosemite. So towards the, the tail end of the Sierra, was that NorCal? It was NorCal. Um, near Dorothy Lakes. We were sitting there having lunch, our whole family, and someone took a picture and all of a sudden, for some reason, the picture was so clear as day. There was a storm rolling right at us. Like you could see it, you could see the rain in the distance and you're like, oh, that's not great. Mm -hmm. So we got up and started moving and I just kept moving. I had to stay warm. It was was raining on us, it was thundering, we're on a ridge. So we're like trying to get out of this danger zone. and I got to camp but before our power plant and I was like, okay, well, if I had my own shelter, I would have been able to get there and set up and, you know, the rain, mm-hmm. again, we had rain maybe like three, four times on the trail. Yeah. It wasn't a common yeah. problem, but it was one that just kind of made me think. And so through that process, I said, okay, I'm going to get my own shelter. We had a conversation about it. It was fine because I mean, that's just the the friendship that we have. Yeah, yeah and exactly. And because of that, from Quincy, not Quincy, Sierra City forward, I had my my setup set to uh, Sierra City. So I was able to pick that up. And then really in Sierra City, I would say where our our whole trail, because we hiked typically about five or six was like our core group, Mm -hmm. but upwards of nine. And then we had a couple people get off the trail because of injuries or what have you. And from that point forward, it became a little bit of, okay, we're all going to be in the same areas. We'll all definitely meet up in town. Some nights we'll all stay together. Some nights some people are going to push ahead a little bit. And it became really flexible. And I think it's one of the things I loved the most about my family is there was never any making people feel bad if they wanted to go further or making people feel bad if they didn't want to go as far. It was just very much like, we all really enjoy each other. Let's try to find a way to hike our own hikes, but within like you know, a one day radius of each other. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, I think it's so interesting because pre-trail, you, you, I mean, you hear it so often, hike your own hike is basically yeah. cliche at this point. And you think it's an easy decision just to say, well, I'm going to do exactly what I want by myself. And again, like I said before, I was expecting to be completely independent on the trail. I was like, that won't be an issue. I'm already going to be by myself. Why am I going to compromise? And then you realize what I wanted to do and hike my own hike was to hike with these absolutely awesome people that I'm with, but then sometimes also do a different pace to them as well. So I'm like, in hiking my own hike, I would have to either drag them with me or compromise one or the other. And it's like, it's, it's never, ever simple. Um, and I think the way that it fell for me was we ha- had the really core, um, you know, Robin uh, passport, the two, they, they've always got to be there, always got to be around me. 
Um, and then everyone else, again, was were just absolutely stunning people, but they, they were absolutely more flexible. I just knew that I'd see everyone again. Uh, a, bit, a little bit like yourself, you know, we was like, I'm, I'm going to see you at Trail Days. Or I'm, I just doesn't feel like this is the last time I'm going to see you, even when you're like rocketing on and going really quick. Um, and in some ways, leaving it up to fate, the trail, whatever you want to call it, to see someone again. It was it was a wonderful surprise and it met wonderful people that way only having maybe a couple of conversations with them and then them going on their way but then, hey I can I know I can always swing by and see them later and I think that's what's kind of nice about it is having like your own family right the people that you're kind of with day in and day out but then also these other groups of people that you meet that are kind of around you like your you know trail cousins that you see yeah. once in a while and it's really we fun when you bump into each other <laughs> yeah right? we, had, we had multiple step families that we would leapfrog with and then yes. when we get into town we try and meet with them it's like again it's it is kind of like meeting up with your family at christmas where it's chaos you don't have enough seats and you bring everyone around but that's it's, it's wicked <laughs> yeah and you make it work and i think that's why it was so emotional in ashland oregon when everybody was going in different directions yeah. i remember like hugging passport and just like crying like we didn't know if we'd ever see most of the people there again because everybody had different plans yeah i was fully fully prepared to say goodbye to everyone there and the, the, the thing that hurt the most about that for me was um for about the past two weeks we knew you guys were gaining on us and we were like they're going to be hiking with us it's not going to be long now they're about a day behind and then just as you guys were catching up to us that's when we all had to get split up from the fire and then all the rental cars obviously were going because every yeah. hiker ever was going up north. So we had a half an hour window together just to say, like, this could be it. And I felt, I felt like not only had the fires completely changed the face of the trail, just, you know, walking and enjoyment and safety, but then also to have this thing that you've been looking forward to for so long and to connect with these people that you know you're going to be. If you had more time, you could just be best friends with everyone. But to see them leave, it's like that was heart wrenching. The rest of that day was beyond ruined. <laughs> you know, normally you enjoy zeros, have that like great food and drink. But I was like, no, I just want to, yeah, go back in the bathtub and cry. <laughs> yeah, the energy was so low. Like all of Ashland. Granted, I mean, you're in this town. There's a huge forest fire not far from it. The sky looks like Armageddon is about to, you know, unleash it's raining ash and all these hikers are just like hugging and crying and trying to figure out like what to do with their hikes and with yeah. the people that they're with. Cause I know you guys hiked North out of Ashland and then yeah. we had skipped up and then you see pictures of, you know, like it wasn't too bad coming out of Ashland. Did we make the right choice? And your mind just kind of spins. Um, oh. But I think everybody's hikes, you know, ended um, or everybody's decisions from Ashland Every, they all worked for everybody you know what I mean absolutely and I think that was the defining hike your hike hike your own hike moment for, for yes. everyone I didn't hold any any kind of resentment for what anyone would have done man they could have said I've got to here and I just hate that this is changing I'm quitting or they could say I'm going out to the coast and walking into the trail or they're going to walk out through the smoke uh, all I could ever think was, I respect you so much for making that decision. That's, that's it's, None of them were easy. None of them were right. Every single one had some kind of compromise to it. Um, so it was it was a really formative time. And looking back on it, I think it's like, you know, it's it's important to look back on those kind of decisions. And it was, it was, funnily enough, a highlight in a weird way. It sucked at the time, but having the kind of 
drive to make that decision that you made and the decision that I made it's it what's what defines a hike it's what's what you wanted to do right yeah and I think it's you know the fun part because people talk about hiker and hike we've just talked about it what, for the last 10 minutes yeah. but it's it's so relevant to just to coming off the trail and mm-hmm. it's kind of a lifestyle it's not just relevant to hiking I mean I say yeah. that when you know someone will ask me my opinion on something that they're doing and usually my answer will be like hike your own hike like wh- what is it that you want to do because that's perfect exactly. like it doesn't have to yeah. be what I want you to do just do what's right for you exactly I, I think that's really true is it, it definitely will translate to yeah translate to life it's not just thinking what you want for yourself and then also having the confidence to stick to it that's that's my usual problem is I think I want to do this mm, upward inflection I'm not really sure you know and then after coming through that and thinking that no, I'm walking out of here this is what we're doing and now a little bit more it's like yeah I'm going to get a new job there's no open inflection I'm doing it it's just, it's just what's happening so deciding what I want for me in my life now is uh, a very similar mirror to hike your own hike yeah how do you feel like that confidence translates outside of you know decision making and in, in the job stuff do you feel like it's kind of all over is it are you finding it popping up in specific areas I think it's I think it's huge um because uh, for, for example, in my kind of initial search that I did, I had three really good offers, uh, but they're also super unique and um, uh, completely different offerings. So one of them, for example, was working with a company that I wanted to work with for an awfully long time uh, with a product that I know well, but it was over in Wales in the middle of nowhere. And it was like, OK, that's going to change my life significantly if I go there. Then another one was company that I'm not necessarily familiar with but I can move wherever I want to and it's going to be very flexible and it would allow me to you know kind of use the time outside of my work for the best and then the other one was uh, a shift work for a, a pretty big company too so just having to decide what I wanted to do is like well, I thought that's what I wanted the first option but sitting here thinking where I am now you know six months after the trail I don't think I want that. And it's that's fine. And I think I'm going to just decide to go with the one that suits me best for what I am now, which is what I've done and I'm, I'm gearing up to do. <laughs> yeah, it is this really newfound confidence. And I'm curious, mostly because I had a conversation with Chef Broccoli. I'm not sure if you met him on trail. No, I didn't know. Uh, his name was Steven at the beginning of the trail. I camped with him on night one. Um, he was the one that oh, we he saw. He finished, him. by the way. He did. No way! Did he did, right at the start? Did he have like sandals? Yes. No way! I've not <laughs> thought about him since like night five, Idlewild, maybe. No, Julian. Yeah. Oh, is he doing good? He is. He's doing really well. Um, okay. I'll have a podcast up with him, and you can listen. Yes. And one of the things that he talked about actually was you know this newfound confidence and like really kind of assuredness within himself and how that is perceived in Japan. Because for him, it's a different country than, you know, the right. States. And yeah. that's something that he was wrestling with. So I'm curious for you, I mean, the UK and the US are similar in a lot of ways, different in a lot of ways as well. Um, yeah. Have you found that to be, you know, challenging at all or just kind of a gift that the trail's given you? I'd say the thing that has come with the confidence that I've got is that I care what I'm perceived about less. That's usually where my lack of confidence comes in is, oh my God, did I say the right thing? Did I kind of to say something silly then I've just embarrassed myself but um again kind of coming from trail I was completely open and honest with who I was and transparent and maybe didn't even know exactly who I was 
but people still wanted to hang around me when I was like that. And, you know, if people don't want to do that in real life, well, that's just fine. I accept that because I'm confident with who I am. I'm happy. And it's such a such a gift to be able to think I can I know when I'm with the right people, I can make friends and be confident around them uh, and also encourage them to be confident, too. So I think it's the I think less about how I'm perceived, um, I suppose, which is usually a big issue for me. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's hard for everybody. Um, yeah. And when you realize that you can't change anybody's perceptions and that they're going to exist and people just won't like you and that's okay. Yeah. Um, it's, it's also, why should you change their perception if they feel like you're about that way? Fine, that's that's how you feel, isn't it? It's not going to change how I am, you know? As long as you're yeah. not an asshole, it's fine. <laughs> exactly. And it's, yeah. it's interesting too, because, you know, I kind of have a personal life rule where I don't take advice or listen to anybody that is not happy in their own lives. And and I think it's really interesting how many people have like things to share about or like they want to tell me about their perception of my experiences in the last eight months. And I'm like, that's interesting because you're miserable. (laughs) Yeah, that's so interesting. I've never had that perception before. That's I I, I like that. I'm going to steal that if that's all right. Yeah, feel free. (laughs) Yeah, Knuckles life lesson. I'm taking it. (laughs) So with that, right, like, I feel like I was super happy out on the trail. I'm a gen- generally pretty happy person. Um, yeah. And now coming back from the trail, like, one of the things that actually challenged that, uh, you know, kind of I'm a happy person concept has been coming off the trail. Like, that was a challenge for me at the beginning. I'm doing really well now. We're, you know, it's December 1st as we're recording this. And I yeah. finished the trail on September 21st. So just about eight to ten weeks out. Uh, what was it like for you coming off the trail um it was bizarre really um it's the first time I've ever done significant traveling before um for more than you know three four weeks kind of thing so taking that time away to be away from your friends and be away from your family that coming back phase was arguably one of my favorites of all time (laughs) just because Obviously, I just had this completely life-changing experience, and then I was also, um, you know, fortunate enough to have changed physically dramatically from when everyone saw me last. So, <laughs> as I said before, I kind of had short-ish brown hair, and I was clean-shaven, and I was, you know, very normal. And then, as I came off trail, I had this awful macaroni long blonde hair, uh, kind of just below my shoulders and a beard that's so long that I could put my beard hair in my mouth if I wanted to, you know, (laughs) it was not good luck, but it was so nice to see people see me in a bit of a different light straight away. You could see how people, uh, their body language changes slightly and you think I'm kind of the same idiot that I was before, but also I feel like I've changed. So it's nice to have people have a little bit of a, refresher and to have six months away and come back and have all these stories it's sometimes you got to go away to know what you were missing to come back and enjoy it you know totally I think that's interesting too like you've been noting people's body language changed when you came back oh yeah yeah but because you did have probably one of the bigger transformations physically on the trail yeah. that I saw <laughs> yeah genuinely that was my objective I said to myself I'm not going to shave I'm not going to cut my hair I'm not going to trim my beard at all on the whole trail just to see how bad I can get and I think you can see on my Ross Lake picture how disheveled (laughs) you know ratty I'm looking but it was uh it was one of my favorite things and then also going back to getting 
uh, all of that off to my normal knife look again was that was I actually found that quite tough. That's that's the thing that I struggle with is saying goodbye to that part of me. Funnily enough, say more on that because I I understand that in a different way. So I'm curious what you mean by that. Um, so I don't know. It felt like again on the trail you're so free to be whatever you want. Uh, and the way that that kind of manifested with me was this stupid hair and, you know, painted nails every once in a while kind of thing. But then I felt, I feel like no one's asking me to come back to normal and no one's forcing me, but I feel like there's some kind of societal expectation of, yeah, but when, when are you going to lose it? But yeah, it's funny, but when are you going to change? <laughs> and it's, um, I felt like that was something that I wanted to do anyway. It was always my plan. But when it came to doing it, I probably left it, I don't know, six weeks from when I came back just because I wanted to show everyone and then I was like okay maybe maybe I'll do it next week because I want to enjoy this is literally I look in the mirror and I see the hiker version of me not the regular version and then uh, when it did go yeah it's it's back to um clean shaven regular old Jimmy you know yeah it is really interesting because in a similar yet different way I mean one of the things for me is like when you're out on the trail, you, you don't wear makeup and I'm not a big makeup wearer anyway, but I remember coming back and I think I had shared this in a previous podcast too, or maybe like the season two intro, like I put on mascara for the first time Wow! and yeah. I was so emotional. I was like, this is yeah. dumb, but it's this yeah. like weird moment of change from what you had been doing to something new. Yeah. And it is like that really small window of just like, oh yeah. All right. Front country is yeah. here and Absolutely. we're in it because what was when you say that you got emotional for it was did you find that it was positive you're like oh i get to be this person again or was it a oh this is a change what what was the uh, kind of the driving force behind that yeah i think very similarly it, it wasn't a positive like woohoo this is so exciting and i'm sure there are women on the trail mm-hmm. that could not wait to get home and take a shower and yeah. put on a nice dress and go out to a nice dinner um mm-hmm. But similarly, I was so comfortable just in my own skin on the trail that to come yeah. home and then, you know, it was this slight pressure. I was going out with um, friends to a restaurant. No one told me that I had to put on makeup. Nobody held a gun to my head. <laughs> this was something that I had just that, but it was that slight societal pressure of this is kind of what should come next. Yeah. And yeah. Feeling like I was conforming to that. And it was that release of like, okay, well, I haven't done this in you know, six months. And it's yeah. just that it was that marker for me, that time point where I was like, that felt like a, a threshold. Like I walked through a new door in that moment and it just brought up emotions because I was missing the trail. And uh, yeah. again, I, I still don't wear makeup every day now, but it was just mm-hmm. that pivotal moment of, yep, now this gotcha. is different. Yeah. I, I almost feel, I see if it's interesting if you agree with this. Uh, it's only something I've just kind of thought of as you were speaking. Do you think, you know, there's a, like, societal pressure I'm waggling my fingers for the audio viewers you know (laughs) do you think it's because in some ways making that decision would make other things in front country easier like if I still had long blonde hair and a silly beard no one would actively comment on it but maybe like I'd feel like I'm being oh this isn't normal I feel like some the decisions to go out is a bit more difficult whereas if I go back to how I looked everything's gonna be easier everything's gonna be less resistive Uh, do you feel like that's the case or do do you think the pressure kind of comes from somewhere else that's an interesting point right because even if we're talking about job applications and stuff like that your intelligence your skills your character Mm -hmm. nothing changes even though you have you know blonde hair that someone died for you on the trail and is long and 
uh, and what have you. And I think this, you know, gets into a conversation about like internal versus external characteristics. Exactly. But yeah, it does. I mean, there is kind of, you know, this, I think we've all been put in boxes our whole lives, right? Societally. And then you go out on the trail and you kind of like break free of that box, but then you kind of put yourself in a new box. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there is an expectation from a hiking community to be in a certain way as well. But I think what probably people realize is oh, I never knew I was even wanted to or allowed to do that you know it's yeah. it's real people start bragging about how little they've washed you know it's, oh, what was the only stretch I, I did 10 days without showering and you're like oh that's disgusting that's amazing good job and whereas <laughs> like it's almost like a badge of honor and I've been party to that I think it's a, such a funny conversation to think what was your actual like physical hygiene lowest you know um but then as you come back like you said the rules change and uh, the rules change yeah and th- but here's the other thing, like, you don't have to play by the rules. There are people no. that don't, but yeah. I have chosen to come back and play by the rules a little bit differently. So it's finding yeah. that balance of this, like, integration of these two experiences. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's something that I'm still, like, navigating and balancing. But it's a really interesting conversation, I think. It's, yeah, I, I think me and you are very much aligned on this one because I'm trying to find a balance between, like, honest, right in the middle, and then real life on one side, and then trail life on another. It's like... I could go completely one way or the other, but I feel like it's trying to be transparent and trying to be honest about who I want to be. And the trail was a beautiful opportunity to show that off and try lots of new different things. And it's about taking the bits that you liked and the bits that you can, you know, if you're lucky enough to bring back with you. Uh, that's, that's, I suppose, what I'm trying to do. Yes, I definitely understand that. Um, and I think we can both probably say everything about the trail was amazing. Right. Yep. From the blisters yep. to the foot pain to the yep. minimal showers and minimal laundry. Like we just yep. loved it all. Not and coming <laughs> Right. Yep. But now that you're coming home, what have you enjoyed the most about front country life? I mean, it has its downsides too that we're both yep. still we said we were navigating, but what have you enjoyed about it? Um, to be honest with you, I've I have genuinely enjoyed my experiences coming back. So um like I said, I kind of came in probably back to a similar time with you than uh, as you I was kind of September 23rd 22nd uh, and that was December 1st and I've not had to think really about anything professional in that time so I've really been using it about deciding what what I want to do uh, making the most of all the people back home that I've missed so much and I want to spend time with um, and I think again there's quite a big not necessarily personality shift um but it's that you you learn things every life experience gives you things to learn from and the trail is so densely filled with these opportunities that i want to try and bring all of that back and you know talking about like trying to make things effortless trying to make things put put myself out there and take more risks i'm really trying to take that to heart and uh be literal with that because all of the kind of pressures that we're talking about i'm putting on myself so if i can kind of drop that a little bit and get a bit more out there in terms of socializing and confidence the the version of me that I was on the trail I was so happy with and in some weird way proud of and I want to bring that and protect that when I'm back here which I feel like I've been doing I mean it's it's tough out here you have financial restrictions everything I do costs some money you know got to drive and meet someone you got to buy coffee and then you go do something you drive back and at one point I was doing something every day of the week which was amazing it was one of my favorite weeks but I can't do that without getting a job so you know it's uh it's not quite as simple as just go out and walk a little bit it's um 
but it, ultimately it's the i suppose it's the social interactions have been uh, and the way that i've been uh, i suppose again hanging out with some really amazing folks here has been brilliant for me it is nice coming back and having that familiarity of your people right that you didn't get to see for a long time it's kind yeah. of a you know that concept of appreciation by deprivation like yeah, yeah, for a long absolutely. time and now I'm really excited to see you again yeah and it's like instead of just I don't know going out and seeing a movie with my, my friends it's like oh my god no I need to make the most of every darn second with you you know I'm not seeing you in six months so um like I said we've gone rock climbing that's with my my friend Nick and we've never really did stuff midweek before but because I'm free and he's free as soon as we've got money and time we're going to go climbing or we're going to go take it we went trail ring or whatever it's you know it's just uh different different opportunities to to have fun with your friends yeah i love that and in different ways too i I love hiking that's why i hiked across the country and yet doing things outside of hiking also make me happy (laughs) yeah yes it feels like this is the only thing we do but there's genuinely a a broad spectrum of things that we have interest in Exactly. So having the time and the flexibility to do other things has been refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. It's been good. Yeah. Well, what about you? Because obviously you've been doing all kinds of adventures as well. You've been really making the most of your your time back. Have you ultimately enjoyed it, would you say? I have enjoyed it. Um, When I first got off the trail, I struggled. I think it was I was still integrating the experience of the trail into who I am as, you know, one cohesive person. Like, you know, Knuckles is part of Christina and Christina is part of Knuckles and they're all kind of together. and because of that, I was acquainted with this new version of myself, but so is everybody else around me, right? My True. friends and my family were like, okay, you've changed. And I have to now understand who you are now. And yeah. I was trying to figure out how all these people in my life previously fit into this new version and just kind of navigating some of that. And I've talked a little bit about with a few people, the concept of grief. So mm-hmm. grief is present when there's something that we love that's no longer there, right? Mm-hmm. So whether we lose a loved one, whether we, you can grieve a job or a location or a relationship that's ended, like all those different things. And it felt like a process of grief for me coming off the trail. Um, And then now being on this side of like, oh yeah, I'm feeling really good. And sometimes I have days and moments where I really miss the trail and the people and the experiences and the freedom and the community, everything that's kind of been echoed in our conversation and all the other conversations with all the hikers that I've had so far. (laughs) But it's also really nice because I have this newfound ability to travel by myself. So right now I'm I'm in Utah doing some stuff um, solo yeah. and just having fun and chatting with people who will chat back with me and, yeah. you know, all that sort of stuff. So I have enjoyed it. And then connecting yeah. with hikers has been one of my favorite parts. So these podcasts have been so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Again, the fact that we've, like you said before, this is the second time we've done it. And as soon as you me- messaged me, said, can we do that again? I was like, oh, that's okay so you do not have to convince me what so if you want to do a third one great (laughs) (laughs) and what's interesting is like this conversation is so different from the first one that we had but just as cool yeah yeah exactly right it's um it's yeah there's so many different facets of uh, effectively what we did for six months you could focus exclusively on like the technical and the equipment nerdy side if you wanted to or really again get down into what makes someone tick to well why did you go out and do that it's it's such a interesting and it's I think for me at least part of that is it's a conscious decision to go out there and no one's like when you go to school or you 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 pick a job it's again you kind of have to do that but no one forced us to go and hike this thing 
So the fact that we chose to do that and throw everything else away for a little while is, for me, what I was always like, that's so interesting. That's why everyone else out on the trail got the most respect for, you know? <laughs> yeah, and for me, I mean, it's a scary decision to make, and that's hence the podcast, right? Walking towards fear, like, yeah, WTF, like, what are you doing? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, and convincing people that what you did was a good idea, what you were going to do is for everyone on the 2023 permits, you know, trying to convince people what you're doing is safe and a good idea it's a it's a hard sell sometimes definitely a hard sell especially to parents yeah especially to parents <laughs> that's a tough one <laughs> and i know the, the majority of this is talking about our experiences you know the subjective pieces instead of the you know the questions that you can google like how long does it take and how much food did you yeah. carry but i started doing a thing where i'm asking a couple of those questions with a little mm. bit of a twist at the end mm. so sure ready to wrap up and answer some a couple questions I think so. Let's do it. What was your favorite meal that you would eat on the trail? Oh, um, I think I could answer generically and just say breakfast food in town. Is that is it when you say on trail? Is it a town days count, or are you talking on trail on trail? I'm talking on trail on trail. On trail on trail. Okay. Um. Okay. <laughs> So I think it's this is this is so stupid and so deprived. Sorry, uh, when I was um, just about to go up Mount Whitney, um, obviously it's such a huge physical exertion. We were going to get up at uh, eleven o'clock at night to try and get up there for first light in the morning. So our sleeping schedule was all out of whack, and our food was all out of whack. But I had managed to just save enough food to actually have two spare meals, um, and instead of like you know eating them out. I just bung them together in one big pot and it was the most plain meal of my life. It was just couscous and tuna with um, maybe maybe like some olive oil. But the fact that I had two of them and I was so hungry and I was so ready to do this physical thing. I just still remember the joy of like having the Ziploc bag and having it being twice as heavy as I wanted it to be <laughs> and thinking this is this is the life right now. This is the happiest I've been eating food on trail. <laughs> that's so good it's true circumstance has far more to do with how yeah. food tastes than the food itself yeah yeah and I was so hungry all the time in the Sierras I was never even after eating that double meal which I think came out north of a thousand calories well north of a thousand calories I was still hungry and just but just knowing that I could tear into that and not have to eke out every spoonful magic absolute magic you're bliss yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right what was your favorite trail town on the PCT? Um, so, so many. The one I'm going to go with is Wrightwood uh, because it was such a surprise. It was, uh, we, we rushed in to get there because uh, someone in our tramway was pretty quick and managed to get in that a day earlier than we thought. So we were like, oh my goodness, we want to spend time with them. So that's really bucking, get there. Get there. And um, we ended up staying with the best trail angel uh, we've ever stayed with uh, well, one of uh, those two big ones so shout out to greg uh who let's stay in his awesome awesome house uh, and he gave us a tour uh, and the town itself was just so hiker friendly and so unexpected it was, it was wonderful that's a great answer i also was thoroughly surprised by rightwood i thought it was one of right. the if not the most hiker friendly trail trail town mm -hmm. Yep. And I would actually, I have a note to myself of different things I would do differently if I were to rehike the PCT, in case I ever do. And if anybody ever asks me, like, what would you do differently? And I would take a zero in Wrightwood um, yeah. because I enjoyed I it so much. 
Yeah, I'd match you on that. And it's like some of the small things, like there was a lot of free hiker stuff from what I remember. It's like you get little pin badges there and you get a lot of free food and hot dogs. But also everything's so close. And again, there's a part of, it sounds silly, but as an outsider, like going to a small American town that's so quaint like that, um, okay. that felt so good. Like the, the cafes, and we were in one where the owls were rigged up to a pulley system where they open the door and they all go up and down in unison <laughs> with it. And then people come out and bring out the coffee. It was it was just, all of it was just like, when you think of like ideal American town, that was the one. It felt homey for a place yeah, that I had sure. never been before, which made no sense, but I loved it. Yeah, I, uh, I've been saying. Oh, good answer. Good answer. Okay. Um, you said that you had outlined all the different pieces of your gear. I'm sure some of that changed with the trail, but what was your favorite piece of gear that you would not hike without? Um, ooh, 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 it's got to be my duplex. I think that thing is bloody marvelous. It's, if, I know it's a, it's an expensive bit of gear, especially for just an elaborate plastic bag like i'm not gonna lie when i bought it having to import it again here it was so expensive and then you finally pack after you wait for like 12 weeks for this thing to arrive and it is just literally a plastic bag you're like what have i spent all my money on <laughs> um but when you get into uh trying to pack it away or like carrying it or setting up in towns uh, sorry uh, coming out of towns it is just so easy it was sturdy um i don't i'd have a hard time for someone to convince me there's a better sleep system out there than my my duplex even as a you know six foot two six foot three guy yeah i'd sleep on the diagonal and i couldn't have yeah my head was touching the the ceiling of it but that that thing was just crazy it was brilliant the the z-packs tents are pricey and they're also amazing like when you yeah. break down kind of on a per night basis or even a per month basis, if you look at it as your home and as like you're paying rent, it yeah. becomes a bit more reasonable. But I agree. I love my Z-Pax tent. Yeah. And I think it's like, I, I would definitely say for anyone who's like listening on a tighter budget, you do not need one. Absolutely. Like you can get away with plenty of other things. Anyone who tells you you need one is a liar. But if you can swing one, uh, especially when you think of it as post-trail investment, like I know that I can walk out with that thing and it'll put up with the English weather just as well as it will the uh, American weather. And I can, for example, if I want to go traveling around Europe instead of booking hostels every place, I can try and camp out a little bit more as well. I've got the confidence to do that now. So I do definitely see it as an investment and uh, it's, it's it looks in great shape considering how poorly I treated that poor thing. So um, yeah, I, I rate it highly. And I think to your point, anybody that tells you that you need anything on the trail is probably lying. You can yeah, take yeah. whatever gear that you want to take and Absolutely. you'll make some swaps as you go, but you learn as you go too. Yeah. Take, take, I'd say take all the advice that you can. People probably are coming from, trying to come from a good place, but it's their advice. It's not for you. It's the, what they found works for them. If I did what everyone said out there, A, I would have no money and B, I'd have a lot of things that don't work for me. So it's yes. um, definitely do, put some time in some research and listen to the folks who are telling it and consider it, but you don't have to have anything. Absolutely not. Totally. All right. And to wrap it up, we have a, a kind of two-part question here. So whatever comes to mind, feel free just to, to spew out. But what would you like friends and family to know about welcoming a hiker back from the trail and how can they best support hikers in that process? Um, this is a tough one. Um, and I always get caught up in two minds of this one. I suppose I'll go with the original answer first, which is I think you've really... If, if it would always help if everyone's patient 
with us <laughs> when we come back because we all we want to do is talk about this thing we will find a way to shoehorn it in and bring it back to the same story uh, and I'm not necessarily the best at telling stories or anecdotes so quite a lot of them come back to oh that reminds me of that one time that I went walking we actually walked really far and then we went camping and I walked again you know it's not <laughs> yeah. like a interesting story for someone to hear but you're gonna have to there's gonna be a time for people to kind of decompress and get that out of the system to uh, and just being patient and listening and also you know throwing it back out there and asking a bit more detailed questions is always nice when, when you hear something outside of the standard three questions you get back that's so nice and it's so lovely and I still want to do that now but if uh, anyone's just patient enough to listen to us uh, I think that's a wonderful thing it's better than you don't have to buy anything or do anything it's just give us time to vent about it basically <laughs> yes I love that answer and I you know anyone that's listening that doesn't know how to ask the right questions one of the things I had someone say to me um, was just what do you want to tell me that like wouldn't otherwise come out in conversation like just tell me some of your favorite stories and I was yeah. like oh okay I was like you might not think these are important or relevant at all but just the fact that you asked and I'm yeah. going to share these mundane moments that I loved so I that'd think that's a wonderful. really good point that'd be wonderful and it's it's amazing because I've seen other people go out and do other hikes like I've seen someone literally go from the PCT over to the um, Tia Aurora and I see them posting their trails and their stories and I find myself going back to the basic questions again because I don't know much about the TA. I don't know much about the specifics of it. And I'm like, oh, no, but they, they're physically there and they're navigating lots of things they're not showing on the Instagram or they're not talking to us about. So it's I can see it from both sides of you don't know what you don't know. Why would you ask questions about something you don't know about? Um, so just, yeah, kind of having that prompt of um, tell me something like that. Yeah, you want to get talk about that's not going to come up is a wonderful way to navigate that. And that's actually a good point too. That like when even you know through hikers like at other trails, there are some logistic questions that you might have, and there's nothing wrong with those questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you know to your point, anybody that has some of those questions, if you can sprinkle in you know a few of your experiential yeah. questions too, is a big bonus. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's great. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, this has been just as fun the second time as it was the first yeah. time so thank you again for for popping on and chatting with us about your experience thanks for having me knuckles it's been a blast always has so good well enjoy the rest of your evening over in the uk yeah. and um, <laughs> we'll talk to you soon all, all the best see you later bye <laughs>